Everyone has a story to tell. About the bump of the night, the monster under their bed, or even the man they see in the rearview mirror window as they drive away. The only thing that separates everyone's stories are which ones are real and which are fake. Welcome to Two Spooks, One Lie. Hi, spooky friends! <laughs> it's Kat here, and I have Ash, who's going to be telling me and you guys three stories today. Yeah, I did some research, and I picked out three paranormal stories to tell you guys, and one of them I created, and you're going to have to try and figure out which one it is. So basically, Ash is going to be trying to trick us, and we're going to have to try and figure out which story the fake one is. My main goal is to trick you, Kat, because, again, scoreboard... <laughs> I want to. I want to win. That's true. Speaking of our scoreboard, um, are you ready to hear your results from last time? I am very excited. Like I've been thinking about it all week, where I'm like, oh, it's like because I want to have a natural reaction on the podcast. So tell me, Kat, was the what was it called? The gruesome Valentine gift. So if you haven't listened to our last episode, I recommend doing that before you go any further because I'm about to give away a lot of spoilers. So last episode, I talked about the murder of Tiana Notice, and that story was called Stabbed in the Heart. Then there was the Dark Valentine gift, and there was the Valentine's Cold Case. And then I had guessed the Dark Valentine's gift as the fake one. I'm going to go update the scoreboard right now. <gasps> oh, you're going to go do- you're not even going to tell me? I have to watch the scoreboard? Yeah, for dramatic effect. <laughs> this is very dramatic. Oh, I can't see it. You're blocking it. Erasing my giant zero. Are you going to draw another zero? <gasps> it's a one! You did it! I got it right. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. So, there was no reason for me to think that was the fake one. I just like felt in my hearts of hearts <laughs> that it was the fake one. So now we're officially even. I feel like you have a theme with your stories where it involves a third person. <laughs> <laughs> and then murder. <laughs> I I actually did think about that this week. I was like, I need to mix up my fake story next time. <laughs> hey, well, now we're even. And hopefully you don't guess this one. I hope I guess it. Well, we'll just have to see and I'll jump right in with the first story. So last week your first story really threw me off and it made me so sad and frustrated. The Tiana Perch one. Uh, Tiana Notice. Tiana Notice, thank you for correcting me, uh, which did turn out to be real. We will be linking the information in regards to the profit organization on our now website. We have a website, by the way. <laughs> um, so because of that story, I wanted to try and lighten the mood just a little bit, just a, just a smidge. So I'm going to be telling you some stories about some nice and friendly ghosts. Some nice and friendly ghosts? Do they do, like, chores? <laughs> some of them do. <laughs> and you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. Uh, like in this first story, which is going to be titled The Blue Lady. Can I have a ghost come and just do chores for me? Dude, I wish. Like, I have a pile of dishes. They can feel free to do it if as you're long here. As got faces in the floor <laughs> that morph, I think they'll be okay. Dude, I've had ghosts steal things from me, but I'd rather they clean. So The Blue Lady uh, takes place. The Blue Lady takes place in Frank's Place. Frank's Place was built by Frank Torres in 1927 in San Mateo County, North California. The restaurant became a popular night spot for musicians, politicians, and film stars from the surrounding city. So, like, the cool shop for all the cool kids. All the cool kids went there. <laughs> Essentially, yes. This was a very popular place for the cool kids. <laughs> and I mean, it's in North California. So, so. we weren't invited. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? 
We're going to the Weenie Hut Jr. down the road. <laughs> uh, the restaurant is located on a cliff above a secluded beach where lovers would go to whisper sweet nothings in each other's ears and share a sweet kiss. So Aww, very romantic place. Cute. Uh, we would not go there. <laughs> no. Definitely Maybe not. We Maybe we would. Put a little mystery in our relationship, cat. <laughs> About 70 years ago, in the early 1930s, a beautiful young woman met a dangerous man. And she fell in love with him. Of course. Because young, beautiful lady plus dangerous man equals beautiful love story, right? Always. Always. 100%. I don't know. <laughs> uh, she would visit Frank's in a, beautiful blue gl- in a beautiful blue gown and watch her love play the piano at the bar. He was a sophisticated ladies' man, so it wasn't hard for the beautiful, naive young woman to fall in love with him. But she ignored... The looming fact that she was married. Oh my god, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Little plot twist. So they're lovers. She's on the piano in her blue dress, listening to him play, and she's married. Damn. I feel like he has ladies on the side too, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Dangerous man in a bar who plays the piano? 100%. Well, whether he was or not, her husband did not know. Her unsuspecting husband never knew about the amount of trips she would take to the restaurant to be with her lover, watching him as he played the piano. Uh, There are a few stories about how the lady in blue did pass and why she haunts the area. One tells of an accident where she fell off the cliff to the secluded beach below, dying on impact. Don't know if it actually was an accident or not. Another version is she was filled with sorrow and drowned herself in the sea to escape the looming darkness inside her. Oh my god. Another more popular story is that she was killed while walking on the beach with her lover. He was assaulted but did survive, and her husband was never to be seen again. So whether it be murder, suicide, or an accident, the lady in blue can still be seen at Frank's. It's now called the Moss Beach Distillery, and she's seen in her long blue gown flowing behind her. So I'm bringing a little murder into this scary story for you. Okay. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's never been, like, reports of fish eating it, but those are the stories that are around the distillery. Over the course of the 70 years, countless individuals, including many children, have claimed to see the ghostly apparition of a woman in a blue dress. It's sometimes torn and bloody, and other times it's clean and proper. Always a blue dress. Uh, Individuals have reported seeing her urging children away from the cliffs to keep them safe from a steep fall. Oh, that's kind of sweet. So again, part of the friendly, helpful ghost side of it. She doesn't want the children to fall. Just sweet, I think. So is that why people think she fell off the cliff? I believe so, yes. Um, it doesn't really say why they think of the stories. I, I mean, beautiful young woman with a man. No matter how she dies, I think everyone's going to speculate. Yeah. <laughs> so... Again, those are just the stories that were reported. Now, here is a story that was reported by the workers of the Moss Beach Distillery on Christmas Eve. They were ready to go home after a long day because the holiday was next, and it was time to close down the restaurant and bar. One of the most hated tasks amongst the workers was going down to the str- going down to the dry storage room in the basement and restocking the wine bottles. So, going in the basement, <laughs> alone. Okay. I, I agree. Was I it because they were scared or they just not want to do that job? No, they were scared. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been a mixture of both, honestly, but I think the biggest was that it was, they were scared. Because it was reported whenever they went down there, they felt eyes on them. Like, they felt like they were being watched. So they would often go down there in pairs to just kind of help that fear that they had of being watched. But tonight, since they were ready to go home for the holidays, Vega decided she would go down alone and do this job. Good for her. I know, right? <laughs> such a such a queen. What a bad bitch. Right? She's like, 
you know, I got family to go see. I'm going down alone. She's like, I'm not waiting for you guys. <laughs> She's like, hurry it up, hurry it up. <laughs> uh, but she would soon regret that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As Vega worked, she felt eyes on her, but she just decided to ignore them and complete the stalking quickly. And then she suddenly felt a stroke on the back of her head and neck. Oh, ew. <laughs> Frightened, Vega had yelled stop into an empty room, and she knew she was talking to the blue lady. Vega knew the blue lady often teased and spooked the workers, but she thinks that the blue lady had left her alone, knowing that Vega was scared of the paranormal. But I think the blue lady was like, your time's up, Vega. You're down here in the basement alone? So, so I mean, the blue lady was never malicious or mean. I mean, she would keep children away from cliffs, and she always like seemed to play pranks on the co-workers and stuff. Okay, so she was just bored. Essentially, yeah. She's like, oh, you're down here alone, Vega. Let's just look at your pretty hair. And Vega's like, I'm out. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. Vega had another experience where she felt a tap on her shoulder. So thinking it was a co-worker trying to get by, she moved and turned to the side. No one was there. The blue lady can be unnerving and mischievous at times, but, but never malicious. So again, she just wanted to have some fun. Probably wanted to have friends. That's so sad. <laughs> Maybe even looking for a new lover. Do you think ghosts... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Do you think ghosts ever like hook up with people or with, no, other, with other ghosts? ghosts. <laughs> I don't know. So, like, what if like I die and I'm like in the afterlife and I see this like handsome dead man? I'm like, hey. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so what if the lady in blue is just like hanging around to see if a guy dies? Oh my god. She's just waiting for one of them to die. <laughs> They're like, she's not evil at all. She's like, no, you're just not my type. <laughs> um, the bookkeeper of nine years remembers always working late and alone in the downstairs office. Don't know why everyone's working in the basement, but they are. One particular night where she was staying late and working, she heard the printer start up and started printing. She was a little spooked and surprised because she had not printed anything for that entire night, wasn't planning to. After it done printed, she went up and retrieved it from the printer to find a picture of a tiny heart printed onto the paper. A tiny heart? Yeah, just a little heart printed onto the paper. She said, it surprised me so much that I cut out that little heart of the paper and taped it to my computer monitor. Aww. So it was like a little gift from the lady in blue, you know? That's cute. It is cute. So maybe she's waiting for someone to die. Maybe she was flirting with a bookkeeper. Maybe. Better watch out, bookkeeper. <laughs> The floor manager also had a story. She was sitting with the hostesses and swapping ghost stories about all of their experiences of the supernatural. As they spoke, a clipboard that had been hanging from where they sat started to swing back and forth, clinking the Mardi Gras beads that were hanging behind it. They were made aware that the blue lady was listening and entertained by their little stories. Vega had finished her story by saying, they just don't pay me enough to be a liar. Which, like, <laughs> agreed. Yeah, that I makes feel like sense. no establishment could pay me enough to be like, just tell people it's haunted. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like, I'm gonna tell my ghost stories if they're actually real. Yeah. So that is the story of the blue lady. It's kind of cute. Kind of cute in some scenarios, unless she is waiting for another person to die. And but then it's lover. a little creepy, kind of stalkery, but like. But then again, I feel like any ghost is gonna be a little creepy. Like, any ghost. Yeah. Even if they're friendly and helpful and doing my chores, it's like, are you watching me while I shower? I hope not. <laughs> I don't want a ghost watching me while I shower. <laughs> the pause you had and the look you gave me, like, okay. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're being watched when you shower? I'm going so off track. I feel like for some reason today. Um, not recently. 
<laughs> I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> you know, that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. I guess I'll just <laughs> jump right into my next story. <laughs> okay, so now we just need to stop thinking about ghosts having sex. And this next story is called The Incorrect Will. You mean ghosts aren't having sex in this story? <laughs> I'm not interested. I wish. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I'm no. joking. Well, I mean, I guess they, I mean, it's not ghosts, but they had to have sex because they had children. So, I mean, I can sprinkle that in with you. James and his wife had six and had four sons. I, mean, I, was, I was joking. <laughs> You're like, stop. Put a pause on it, please. I'm like, mm, uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. The incorrect will. And not like a name, but like, when you die, you leave a will. Yeah. Yeah. The will was incorrect? Yes. What does this have to do with a ghost? You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> is the ghost, like, mad his will is wrong? I mean, you're kind of right. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty mad if my will was wrong, too, and I died. Yeah. That'd be, be like, upsetting. I left everything to my cat. How dare you <laughs> <laughs> give it to my fiancé? Excuse me? Okay, so the story's about James L. Chaffin. He owned a small little portion of uh, land that he used to farm in North Carolina, Mich- Michville, where he lived with his wife and four sons. And they had to have sex to have these sons. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> the sons were Abner, Marshall, John, and James Jr. James was oftenly, often, my God. James was often referred to as Pink as a nickname. Don't know where that nickname came from, That's, but it's a nickname. I was about to ask. No, no idea. Maybe he got like really red in the face sometimes. Maybe he walked in on his parents. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Good thing our podcast is explicit. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, there wasn't a lot of information on the family dynamic or how the children got along together, but it was suspected that James seemed partially close with one of his sons, Marshall. As when James's home was destroyed in a fire, he and his wife lived with Marshall until the home was restored. So I feel like they would have to have a good yeah. relationship in order for you to invite your dad to live with you. Yeah, you definitely have to have a good relationship for that. And keep the doors locked. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong with me today. Uh, due to the closeness of their relationship between the son and the father, Marshall's wife actually kept James's will and testament in her possession. And this will was dated 1905. So keep that in mind. He brought this will in 1905 and handed it to Marshall's wife. Because that's how close they were. In 1921, James passed away due to an accidental fall. And I believe this was an actual accident, not a quote-unquote accident, (laughs) uh, where his will was then read. His sons were shocked and upset to find that Marshall was the sole beneficiary of the entire land and everything. They were offered nothing. So he had four sons and just one of them got everything? Correct. So he, the will stated that he didn't even, none of his other sons got anything. Nothing. Just Marshall, who he was super close with. And coincidentally, his wife owned the will. Hmm. Seems kind of sus. Right. Right. Or maybe he, maybe his dad just loved him a lot mm-hmm. and was like, "Screw my other son. Screw Pink. <laughs> Fuck Pink." But Marshall doesn't have a nickname. I know. <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. Maybe in the family, like, if you get a nickname, you're out. <laughs> no. You gotta leave. <laughs> Uh, In 1925, so only four years after his father passed, James Pink Jr. began to assume that the will was misrepresented and misread. His father began to appear in his dreams with a sad, deep frown on his face. And that's why he began to suspect that the will was wrong. So his father didn't say anything in the dreams? He he was just there frowning? Not for a little bit. Uh, 
for a few times he would just have those dreams of the father with a deep sad frown on his face and that's when he began to think maybe maybe something went wrong with the will okay. uh, was there anything else other than just dreams because i feel like if i had dreams like that i wouldn't just assume oh my dad's trying to send me a message like <laughs> i mean i guess but i guess yeah you're mourning it's gonna be kind of common but i guess if you have like what about like 14 days in a row where it's just your dad staring at you with a sad frown I feel like then you would start to be like, oh. Yeah. Ooh, cats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cats just came running in. Uh, so the, the dreams did begin to become more vivid. Uh, and he actually used the dreams in court. He stated, I began to have very vivid dreams that my father appeared to me at my bedside. He made no verbal communications. Sometime later, I think it was the later part of June 1925, he appeared at my bedside again. Dressed as I had often seen him dressed in life, wearing a black overcoat, which I knew to be his own coat. This time my father's spirit spoke to me. He took hold of his overcoat and pulled it back and said, you will find in my will, you will find my will in my overcoat pocket and then disappeared. Oh my gosh. So at first it was just the sad look. And then in June it progressed to where his dad was like, yo, homie. Check my pocket. And it was always just in dreams though? Yeah, always in dreams. Nothing outside the dreams. But I mean, after the dreams, you kind of have to wonder, is it your subconscious making those or is there actually something in the jacket? Yeah. So he decided to travel to his brother's home where his father's coat was in the attic. While looking at the coat, he discovered a sewn up pocket where a hidden paper was inside. Once he opened the pocket and retrieved the paper to enroll and read, he was surprised to discover it read, read the 27th chapter of Genesis in my daddy's old Bible. Wait, so there was a sewn up pocket in his coat. Mm Mm-hmm. With a paper to lead him to another location. That makes no sense. Because that why would he give the will to them if he obviously didn't trust them? <laughs> Listen, man, I wish I knew. I wish I knew why this James was like, you know what? I don't trust that. I don't trust that chick. I'm going to make this new will, but I'm going to make it secret. And he's like, when I die, I'll come back. They'll know. They'll know. Good for him, I guess. He was right. <laughs> he was right. It would be needed. Uh, Pink decided that he would need to go to his old family home, and he actually brought an old friend as a witness to make sure there was no shenanigans. Not, like, sexual shenanigans. (laughs) You were stuck on that. (laughs) Man, I don't know why, but my brain is, like, ghost sex. Think about it. (laughs) Uh, His mother allowed them to search the home for the Bible, which they were finally able to find. They flipped the chapter Genesis 27. They discovered two folded pages together to make a pocket. So another secret pocket in a book. He's just making secret pockets everywhere. This man was not, he was not confiding in anybody. Even his wife was like, I don't know why you're here. Go find the Bible. (laughs) Uh, This new will was dated January 16, 1990. So this one was created about 14 years after the previous one. Oh. So this is the new updated will. Okay. So was the original will correct and he just changed it or? I think so. But then again, why wouldn't he tell Marshall and his wife that it was incorrect or he updated it? Maybe he didn't want them to be mad because he gave them everything and then he was like, you know what? That's nah. That's for Maybe he was trying to avoid being murdered. Maybe, but how would that avoid it if he didn't tell them? Well, because like, well, no, what if he told them and was like... Yo, that will is fake. Just kidding, I made a new one. And Marshall's wife was like, no, you didn't. And then killed him. Yeah, but she could have just killed him for the money. 
There are so many plot twists. <laughs> I mean, at least she didn't murder him. I mean, it's fine. Nobody Supposedly. was murdered. I'm stuck on true crime. Carry on. <laughs> carry on. Carry on. Uh, they looked inside this little pocket that was created and found the will. Did everyone get something in this will? Or just Pink? Uh, when they read the will, they found out that it dispersed the beneficiary fairly amongst the sons. Oh. So it wasn't all just one or it wasn't all just a Pink. It was between all of them. So Marshall still got something. Yeah. It's not all of it. Right. I think I didn't mention this, but I'm pretty sure Marshall actually died. Oh, no. Shortly after his father. So everything that was left to Marshall went to his wife. Oh. Which makes it a little that more... That makes it more suspicious. <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the will is up, outdated. I mean, her husband dies under mysterious circumstances. Actually, I think it was... You said he fell. No, James fell. Oh. Marshall died with a heart attack. Oh. Maybe she stabbed his heart. I don't know. I think they would know if she's, he was stabbed. <laughs> I'd hope so, at least. <laughs> They're like, up, oh, bleeding from the heart looks like a heart attack. Um, so the will was actually used in court, and Pink's dreams were used in court as well. So the judge actually let him use his dreams? I mean, this was like in the 1950s, 1920s. So yeah, I mean, it was different. But yeah, his dreams were used in court. Interesting. <laughs> right? Uh, Pink had said in court, I was fully convinced that my father's spirit had visited me for a purpose of explaining some mistakes. Having had his message received and finding the updated will, Pink said he was never contacted by his father again. Well, I guess he resolved whatever he needed to. I mean, yeah, that's what the saying is of spirits stay when there's... When they have, like, unfinished business. Unfinished business. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So maybe (laughs) his dad died and was like, ah, shit, I didn't tell him about the will or my book or anything like that. But he had to make it all cryptic and hide everything in <laughs> secret pockets. Like, that's what's confusing, is it wasn't like he updated his will and kept it in his bedside. It was a check my coat, and then check my Bible, and look for the hidden papers in the Bible. I'm like, dude, why not just give it to your wife? I feel like that's a lot of work, dude. Like, right? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe he was suspicious that Marshall and his wife were out to get him. So sad. <laughs> I really don't know, but that is just a story of a helpful ghost of the father coming back to let his sons know that that was a mistake, and he needed to correct it. Also, it never said if he left anything to his wife. It just said the sons. So, like, maybe the wife murdered him? It was an accidental fall, after all. You said it was a heart attack. No, that was Marshall. Oh. <laughs> I keep, I'm getting everyone so confused. So, so Marshall, the son, right. had a heart attack. The father fell. Yes. James had sons, fell and died. Oh, yes. Marshall got everything, had a heart attack, died. Okay, guys, I am caught up now. <laughs> Glad to hear you're caught up at the very end of the story. Um, so then I will jump into the next story. Right, so, so far we have the blue lady, we have the incorrect will, and this is going to be the last story called The Helpful Nanny Dolly. So far, I know I haven't heard the last story yet. So far, I think the helpful will is not real. The incorrect will? I, the helpful will? <laughs> the the will was not helpful at all. <laughs> that will, so, honestly though, it wasn't. Like, he hid everything. Really? It was like wild goose chase, but so but far anyway, you think that one's... I think so far that's my guess. Although I will hold off until I hear the next one. But I think the blue lady is real. And I think... The incorrect will. So, yeah. let's just say, if the blue lady is real, would you want to go visit her? I know the last time we visited ghosts, you got possessed, but, like, let's just ignore that. 
I mean, yeah, I'm, I'd be her friend. We could hang out. I feel like she's never done anything, like, mean. It's just, I like, I feel like playful. she's just lonely. Right? Give her some <laughs> entertainment. Well, the ghosts we encountered on our ghost tour really wanted you. <laughs> they, they did. <laughs> they were like, that chick right there in the corner alone. I know, that was terrible. <laughs> anyway. But also really cool. It was really cool. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do an episode talking about our stories. <laughs> I think I deleted all of the voice recordings I took of it, but I have all the pictures still. Maybe I have we'll most through. of the pictures still. Maybe we'll have to go through and do an episode on that. Okay, back on topic because we are amazing. <laughs> uh, story: Helpful Nanny Dolly. Uh, so this story takes place in the St. Francis Inn in St. Augustine in Florida. So the St. Francis Inn is on the National Register of Historic Places. It dates back to 1791. It is unquestionably St. Augustine's oldest inn. The inn was created by the Order of the King of Spain, who wanted the buildings to serve as a defense of the fortress against those who might attempt to occupy the town. So he wanted a bunch of buildings that would serve as a defense for the citizens of the town. So, consequently, this building stands directly on the street, shielding the front entrance as to a peaceful courtyard. Enjoy. So, was it always an inn, or did it become an inn later down the road? It was not always an inn. Oh, okay. It, it became an inn later, um, which I will get to. But So, in 1791 is when, kind of, the ground for the inn, now inn, was created. So, it's kind of like almost a U-shape, in a way, I believe, um, where the courtyard is in the middle. And okay. the front is on the street because they wanted to have that area for maybe it even is a square. Anyway, there's a courtyard that's being shielded from the street. Okay, that makes sense. So Casper Garcia, Casper Garcia, was the property's first owner. He was a military man, and he was granted the lot in 1791 by the King of Spain. Uh, he shortly thereafter he was, wow, shortly after he built a home on the plot. In 1802, the property was purchased by by Juan, a sea captain, and it stayed in the family for years until 1838. It became the proprietor of Colonel... Colonel? Colonel? Colonel. Colonel. (laughs) English is hard, man. Listen. That word is spelled so weird. It's Colonel. Colonel. Why did I not connect the dots to Colonel? I know English. It's my first language. (laughs) Colonel Thomas Henry Dummett. After his death, his daughter Anne-Marie, who never married, converted the home into a lodging establishment in 1845. So it became a lodging establishment in 1845 for an amount of time. Uh, Anna actually raised 10 nieces and nephews in this home. Oh my gosh. So, so she never married, but she raised her nieces and nephews? Yes, correct. So, I mean, this is just the history of the now inn. I mean, there was a lot of people coming in and out of the home, a lot of families. Like I said, it was created in 1791. So there's a lot of history in this inn. Um, during the early 1900s, the building was never, like, given a proper name. It was identified as several different names, such as the Tehan House, the Hudson House, the Valenicia Annex, named after the Valenicia Hotel, which was located on the side of the current parking lot, the Amity Apartments, the Salt Air Apartments, the Palms, and the Graham House, which is, leads us into the story. So, in 1920, Alfred Graham and his wife, Mary Gold Graham, owned the historical home for a short period of time, where they raised their two children, Haley and Slade Graham, alongside their nanny, Fern Woods. 
So, I mean, it became the lodging period for a short time because of Anne, but I think that was because of all of her family yeah. <laughs> that would come, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, it had all of these names. So, for a short time, Alfred and Mary Gold Graham owned the historical home. Imagine living in a giant home like that with just two kids. Did they use it as an inn, too, or just a home? It was never stated. Um, maybe they did, but I, it was never, like, there was never any reports of people staying there, I guess. So oh. it was just the family. Maybe they were planning to turn it into something like that, but I think they only lived there for, like, three or four years. Oh, okay. So it was not long at all. It was not a long period of time. So they lived there with the two children, Haley Slade, and their nanny, Fern. Fern had a troubled childhood. She lost her mother at a young age due to tuberculosis. Listen, you're giving me a smug look right now, Kat. (laughs) I'm so proud that I can't talk in tuberculosis. There you go. (laughs) Can I have a gold star, please, teacher Kat? Gold star. Thank God. A plus. Anyway, that's how her mom died. Her father actually ended up passing shortly after she married to her first husband, Edmund Graham, at age 19. Which, for this time, was an actually early marriage. Her and Edmund lived with his parents in the Graham house before he passed away just a year later due to the same sickness her mother suffered. So, both her husband and her mother suffered from tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Why can I not say that word? What the (laughs) heck? Anyway, that is a lot of pain, having to lose two people that you love dearly to the same sickness. Yeah, that's so sad. Uh, anyway, after her husband passed, Fern became saddened and troubled. She'd only been married with him for a year, living in the Graham house, and she had no other family left or nowhere else to go. So she was worried she was going to get kicked out and have to live on the streets or find somewhere to live. That is so sad. No. I know, seriously. She was, I mean, that is the main worry she has to worry about. She can't even mourn her husband. She has to be like, where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? And she has to find a job now to support herself. I mean, it was, it was... A troubling time for and her. And what time was the period was this again? This was 1920. Oh, so okay. early 1920s. Wasn't it hard for women to find a job back then, too? Very hard, very hard. So either she had to find a place that would hire her, or she'd have to get married again, or... I mean, it was just a lot of factors, and she didn't have anywhere to go while trying to figure that out. Uh, luckily, Alfred and Marigold actually offered her a room to stay and hire her for nanny services. And so she agreed. She got to stay in the home she'd been living in for a year, and she got to help out the family that she learned to love. Learned to love, became to love. Mm-hmm. You don't learn to love. Yeah. Unless you're kidnapped. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I feel like we have to cut out so much of this podcast, it's gonna be like three minutes long. All the ghost <laughs> sex, out of here. Kidnapping, out of here. Oh my god. I feel like I need to take meds. Um, my god, okay. Uh, she easily agreed to become a nanny for the uh, Graham family. Uh, Fern would often help Marigold cook dinner, and she would also help clean and tidy up the home. She also took up gardening, keeping the front of the Graham home lush and beautiful, and she also planted an apple tree in the courtyard, courtyard that is actually still there to this day. Aww. So, I mean, she she loved doing this for the family. It wasn't like a, you have to watch the kids and slave over stove. It was She got to be alongside them and help clean, which is probably nice for such a large home like that, <laughs> to be yeah. able to help clean it up. She took to the gardening. Um, Fern actually became a beloved family member of the Graham family. So, I mean, she wasn't just their nanny. She was a part of their family. Mary Gold, the wife, was known as saying, Fern is my beloved daughter and will always be. The children know her as a sister, and my husband knows her as a daughter. The children would actually call her big sister instead of any title she may have held as a nanny. 
So she was very deeply loved by this family. And she came into it by marrying their son, Edmund, who had passed. And she helped with the other children. That's so sad. I feel like everyone in her life has just been, like, dying. It really has been. And she got this loving family now that she never really got to have as a child. I mean, think about it. Mary Gold is in love. Like, she loves Fern as her daughter, as stated. Uh, she would actually also go to, like, church with Fern. And they would go to church and they would cook together. So they were very close. And this was the mom that Fern never got to have, you know. Uh, the children would call her big sister in any titles. She also earned the nickname Dolly due to her fail. She also earned the nickname Dolly due to Haley finding a doll that she insisted looked just like Fern due to the fair complexion and long brown hair that matched the doll. So she was very pale and, and uh, fair. So she earned the nickname Dolly. Uh, the Grams and Fern stayed in the home until 1923, which is only three years after they earned it and two years after her husband died. Uh, Fern had actually passed due to a fire breaking out in her room when a candle was unexpectedly knocked over. After the tragedy, the Grams moved from the home. The room and surrounding areas were restored, and in 1948, it was officially called St. Francis Inn. Really tragic. That is so <laughs> So sad. she got to have this loving family for two or three years. She died, and they moved. I mean, I can't imagine them staying in that area where they loved Fern so deeply, and then... Yeah, I'd probably move, too, if something like that happened. Because it would be so hard. You would see them everywhere. Especially with, like, all of the plants she had, you know, taken care of, and she helped cook, and... I mean, especially, like, what if you saw the doll that the other daughter had, like, bought, and it would just remind you of her, and... Yeah, that that would be so sad. Yeah, so they, they moved, it was restored, and then turned into the St. Francis Inn, which is still the St. Francis Inn to this day. So, if you want to go visit a 1791 inn, you can. Cool. <laughs> uh, guests have reported seeing a fair lady with her head held high and often a smile on her face. The fair lady was known for helping guests find their rooms, clean up after their messes, and even tell them about the history of the inn. When they would try and find her and thank her or tell the staff about the fair lady, the guests would be shocked when they were informed that the fair lady was not a staff member. At least she's saving them money. Like, that's one staff, one less staff member to hire. Okay, you're right, but also <laughs> let's start, let's start paying her, please. <laughs> Just because she's dead okay, doesn't but mean. What is she gonna do with money? Ma'am, I don't know. <laughs> but are we really gonna be talking about ghost labor laws? <laughs> we have child labor laws. What about ghost labor laws? I'm gonna be paying ghosts to do. I'll pay a ghost to do my dishes. You kidding me? <laughs> Probably be cheaper than anyone else. Uh, there are multiple stories of Dolly helping lost children find their parents, ent entertaining them, and even singing old nursery rhymes to them. There was one particular story of a boy, Thomas, who found himself wandering the inn and then getting lost. His mother, who was used to his antics, started to search for him. She then glanced out a window to the courtyard to see her son sitting under an apple tree and giggling to himself. When she went out there to retrieve him, her son happily told her, Dolly helped me keep me company, and I was not scared. When she thanked the staff as they left from this day, the staff informed him informed them the history of Dolly. After we told her the story, her face fell and she watched her son leave ahead of her. She then asked us to thank Dolly as she left. We all knew Dolly heard her thanks. Oh. So, I mean, Dolly was known for helping children, like helping people out. And it's just so sweet to me that this mom heard this story and was like, yeah, Dolly helped my son. That's like, so no, cute. Right, there was no second guessing. There was no ghosts are real or what are you talking about? It was just thank her for me. Oh, that's really sweet. Uh, and you mentioned ghosts doing chores in the beginning, Dolly often helped the staff and began doing chores in the end. That so, I mean, so cute. That is what she did when she was alive with the other children. The other children with the two children. 
I mean, she cleaned when she was alive with the Graham family, so it was kind of what she was used to doing. She would do chores, she would clean up dishes and garbage after guests, make beds, and fold laundry. There were also a few occasions when she would f help find lost items for guests, which I desperately need. If I could have a ghost, just find all the lost items in my home. So she's like the opposite of a normal ghost. Basically, yeah, she's not tormenting them, she's not hiding things, turning on and off lights, she's like tidying up, she's turning off the lights, finding things, being helpful, which is really sweet to me, because, I mean, she died in a fire, that's not like a pretty way to go. No, definitely not. And she could have a lot of resentment for the life she had, but she seems to just be helping people out. Dolly is helpful, Kelly, a worker of three years, had reported saying while laughing. Sometimes I'll forget to clean a room. And when I remember, it is already done. Or I won't be at the front desk, and Dolly will ring the bell for them. So, Kelly, a receptionist who also helped with cleaning, knew of Dolly and knew of the things she would do. Oh, there are cats <laughs> zooming by. Oh, my goodness. At least it's cats and not ghosts. Uh, Kelly told a story of Dolly helping her when she needed it the most. I was going through a rough breakup, and when it was slow, I would head to the bathroom and cry. One time I went there for a long period of time. I washed my face and stepped back out. I was a little shocked to see a guest passing me, as I hadn't heard the bell ring for help. I apologized heavily and was about to offer to help when the guest told me, your coworker already told me where my room was, and I knew it was Dolly covering me for while I was covering for me while I cried. While the story of Dolly is tragic, she continues to live on and continues to help children and guests in need. I can't imagine, imagine going through a breakup and you're like, I just need to step into the bathroom to cry for like 10 minutes. Okay. And then you come out and the person's like, nah, your coworker helped me. As you're working alone, you're like, thanks, Dolly. I feel like it'd be creepy if you didn't know about Dolly. <laughs> no, that, I think that's very fair. I don't know if it would be creepy necessarily as like, you'd be confused, I guess. Because you walk out and be like, hey, bro, you need help? And they'd be like, no, your coworker got me. And be like, I don't, I'm not working with anybody, bro. <laughs> but... I mean, Dolly is fairly known at the inn, and the, all the co-workers and workers know of Dolly. Um, almost all of them have one or two experiences with her as they work there. So, I mean, she's pretty active there. How active is she? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, <laughs> you want me to give a ghost active rating? <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, a 7? <laughs> I'm going to give it a solid 7. I think that's a safe bet. Nice. I mean, I guess she could do things that people don't necessarily seem as paranormal like she does laundry and she like makes the beds if you're a guest and you leave and come back and your bed is made i wouldn't necessarily say that's paranormal you know what i mean yeah that makes you, sense you could just think oh someone stepped in and did it for me while the workers could be like no we didn't do that and they know something's up you know mm -hmm. so i would say a solid seven on the activity do scale. the workers advertise it like um the hug and molly people did <laughs> no they do not have a sign no they don't advertise her it's just kind of one of those things where if they hear stories or they hear things like that they know it's the same with the blue lady if they hear of stories or uh, see someone around the corner they know that's who it is so those are my three stories cat what do you think about them what are you thinking i'm trying to figure out which one i think is the lie i'm still i want to say that it's the incorrect will still. Is that your final answer? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you did a such you did such a good job. Like all the stories had so much detail, so I'm just sitting here like Man, I to really, figure it out. I really tried all of yesterday when I wrote these stories. I um, tried really hard. I mean you can get a two or you can be tied with me one on one on the scoreboard. 
I think I'm going to stick with the will. Will is your answer. That is my answer. Alrighty. We want to hear what you guys think as well. I want you to listen and tell us what you think. We have an Instagram, Twitter. We do have a TikTok now. No videos as of yet, but we will. Uh, we also do have a website that I created. It's just two spooks, one lie. I think it's like <laughs> .com Wix. We'll link it and I, I'm sure we'll update it eventually. Listen, we're broke. We don't have time to buy a domain. <laughs> we will maybe one of these days one of these days uh but comment on our instagram i think spotify is a q a feature doesn't it yeah it does so let us know in the q a feature you know you don't have to ask us questions or you could <laughs> don't know man so next week i will tell you guys the answer of which one was the real one i hope i was right i was it was between that and the blue lady but i'm going with the will okay okay just because that in. was weird like what was all the hidden no <laughs> i agree would you hide your will in those places though? i would not hide my will i'd probably give it to my mom wait yeah <laughs> you give it to your mom so when you had an unsuspecting fall you would die yes i definitely couldn't give it to you though okay listen i'm not that i feel like you're slandering my name <laughs> Well, Ash, you do talk about killing me a lot, so I'm definitely not giving you my will. I don't talk about killing you. I just state, if anything happens. Do you know how sus that sounds, though? Maybe I'm just a sus person. I'm a little scared. I'm alone in an attic. <laughs> with you. this is not a basement. We're, like, stalking the wine. That's true. That's I true. I wine. I don't have wine. I have a lot of liquor, though. We should pour liquor and discuss about ghost sex. Mm. Tune in next week <laughs> to find the answer of which story was fake. And let me know if you guys agree with me. They're all going to disagree with you, Kat. That's so rude. <laughs> Every single one my audience member is going to comment on our Instagram account. Boom and not correct. So. No, literally, though, I posted on Instagram one thing and I was like, let me know. It was like our scoreboard, and I was like, find out if I got the answer right. And my boyfriend and my sister both commented on it, and they're like, you definitely got it wrong. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to start a discussion here, not and get they, roasted. And they roast you had no faith in you? Uh, just let us know if you agree with Kat or want to roast her. I'm, I'm all for either of them, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and tune in next week. Bye. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, <laughs>